Welcome back to White Belt Perspective. I'm Tyler. I'm Micah. And today we are recording virtually. We're doing distance right now. Distance, yeah. We just couldn't get our schedules lined up this week. My fault mainly. I'm confused. We got a cool episode. We're going to do some curses. Yeah, so this is kind of an idea we had for one of our Patreon tiers. It's just, we don't know if it's going to be a regular series here on the normal podcast, but if it's something you guys are interested in, then tune in for Patreon Drops, what is it, August 1st, and we'll probably be putting these episodes up on there. So if you like it, be sure you go over there and join. Yep. So we're going to talk about either cursed objects, cursed people, cursed places, cursed things, right? Isn't that what we're kind of doing? Kind of just like generally paranormal type stuff. I mean, I guess technically a haunting can be a curse, but I think the way we're going with it right now, at least I went with a full on curse. Do you think curses are real? Like, Do you think people can actually curse things? You know, I don't know. I feel like if there's a lot of negative energy going on when something happens, like someone when someone curses something, that may be, but I don't know if it's a curse or like residual bad energy, which I guess is a curse. I don't know. I feel like some things are probably just coincidental, but then other things you're like, man, that's that's a lot of coincidence. Do you think they're like voodoo-based curses and stuff like that? I mean, the curse I'm doing is a straight-up witch curse. So I, I don't know. I don't know. What about yours? What's your curse about? Well, I'll tell you after you tell me yours. I don't know if I fully believe in curses. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's interesting. I don't know if I believe in them, but I could see where maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not sold on the whole curse thing, but we'll see what happens. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tell me about yours. Right. Tell me what'd you pick? So we've all heard of the Salem witch trials, right? I knew you were going to do Salem. <laughs> so so no worry, you guys. I'm going to cover like a full-on Salem crime cast in October. So we're just going to kind of touch base on the witch trials. But have you ever heard of Giles Corey? I have not. But okay, why are so, you so obsessed real quick? Why are you so obsessed with Salem? Because it's fascinating. Literally, it is a perfect example of mass hysteria. And 20 people were executed for being witches. It's not that distant. It was in the 1600s, which is crazy to me that religious hysteria led to people being murdered because like a group of teenage girls accused them of witchcraft. And they were probably tripping off just mold. (laughs) Well, I think they definitely were doing some witchy stuff, right? The girls were, yeah, but not the people who were accused of being witches. I don't know, you know, because if they burnt alive, then they weren't witches, right? But if they survived the fire, then they were witches. So <laughs> you're thinking of England. There was no fire involved in Salem. How'd they kill the Salem witches? They hung 19 of them and then, well, I guess hanged. They hanged 19 of them and then one was pressed to death. And that's who we're going to be talking about today. The one that was pressed to death. Pressed to death. How did that work? Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. So just a little background on the Salem Witch Trials. So they were a series of trials in colonial Massachusetts that took place from February 19, not 19, 1692 to May 1693. 30 people were found guilty of witchcraft. Of those 30, 19 were hung or God were hanged. That's really hard for me to say. I feel like hung should be the past tense of hanged. Yeah, you're struggling with that. Yeah, it's just, it's weird to me. And then one was pressed to death, Giles Corey, and he's going to be who we're talking about today. So oh, he Giles, was a male witch? He was a wizard. Yeah. Like yeah, Gandalf? So. Yes, like Gandalf. Who's your favorite Or Harry wizard? Potter. Who's your favorite wizard character ever? I don't know. Gandalf's kind of hard to beat. Dumbledore's pretty badass too, but I'm probably going to go Gandalf. 
Yeah, I think I would go Gandalf. You shall not pass. Yeah, he's a legend. He is he is a legend. I mean, are you going Gandalf the Grey or Gandalf the White? Ooh, Gandalf the White. It's my dude. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh I would I would agree. I second that. But Giles was born in Northampton, England in 1611. Crazy thing about this, this bro was old as shit during the entire witch trials. He was in his 80s, which is nuts to me that he was even alive. Because he was doing witchcraft. I mean, he was also married three times. Uh, He outlived two of his wives, and then his third wife was actually executed three days after him. But anyway, I'm jumping ahead. So shortly after marrying his first wife, Margaret, he moved to Salem. Once in Salem, he began farming, and he was immediately successful and very quickly became a prosperous landowner and farmer, like had tons of indentured servants who worked for him, ended up having four kids with his first wife. So I want to name these names because like it goes from zero to 60 real fast. So first daughter's name was Martha. Normal name, right? Super chill. Then you have Margaret. Makes sense. His wife's name was Margaret. So they had a little baby Margaret. That's cool, right? Then we have Deliverance. Ooh, he found God. He did. He found Deliverance. So that was his uh, third child, his daughter Deliverance. And then his fourth daughter's name was just Elizabeth. So I don't know what happened between, you know, Margaret and Elizabeth, but Deliverance, that's just a, that's a name. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever name a kid Deliverance. Um, Well, yeah, it has a different connotation now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But then again, this is the 1600s, so. Yeah, they probably didn't have uh, banjos and stuff in creeks back then. Yep. So not too long after their fourth child is born, his wife Margaret dies. And then he pretty quickly remarries a woman named Mary Bright. Together they have one son, John, and they're pretty happy for a little bit. But she ends up dying too because, you know, it's the 1600s. So when Mary dies, he remarries for the third time. To a woman named Martha. Not his daughter Martha, but a new Martha. So this Martha is going to be important because she's going to kind of seal old Giles' fate here later. So another important fact about Giles is in 1676, he was brought to trial for beating one of his indentured servants to death. Jacob Goodall was caught stealing apples and Giles proceeded to beat him with a stick until he was within an inch of his life. And then he left him just laying there, basically dying for two days before he decided to get him medical attention. By the time he got him medical attention, there was nothing they could do for him, and he ended up passing away. So his parents actually pressed charges to a certain degree, but he was found not to be at fault for murder because they were indentured servants, and there was a law back then that it wasn't against the law for them to use corporal punishment against their indentured servants. Yeah, and the dude stole apples, man. Don't be stealing apples from people. Uh, He did end up getting a fine because they said his punishment was too severe, you know, since the guy died. But basically, Giles got away with murder, which is just interesting. If he was a wizard, he could bring him back from the dead. Is that how this works? Yeah, that's why I don't think he's a real wizard. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. A few years after this, actually, it's like 16 years after this, on March 19th, 1692, Martha was arrested for witchcraft. The funny thing about this 
was that Giles initially believed the accusations because he claimed that he found Martha lots of times staring into the fire and like mumbling under her breath. And that when they married a lot of his oxen had become ill and he basically blamed it on her. So he's like, yeah, this woman's a witch. I totally am on board with this, was completely testifying against her, all these things. That was until he became charged himself. Why did he get charged? So here we go. On April 19th, Giles was accused of being a wizard by Abigail Hobbs. He denied the accusations but refused to give a plea. So because he refused to give a plea, he went on to have, I guess it was like a little precursor to the trial where they basically just talked a little bit about everything that was going on. And that was when Mercy Lewis said this. She said, I saw the apparition of Giles Corey come and afflict me, urging me to write in his book. And so he continued most dreadfully to hurt me by times beating me and almost breaking my back till the day of his examination being the 19th of April, 1692. And then also during the time of his examination, he did afflict and torture me most grievously and also several times since urging me vehemently to write in his book. I believe in my heart that Giles Corey is a dreadful wizard for since he had been in prison, he and his appearance has come and most grievously tortured me. So she's saying that like she was getting a vision. No, she was saying that he was like sicking his familiar on her to like torment her and beat her. What's that mean? Well, so in Salem, the Salem witch trials, they would say that they either sent their spirit or their familiar and their familiar was just like an animal that would have to like suckle off of a witch's mark, which was basically an extra nipple where they would feed off of the witch. Uh, Okay. And then once you signed your name in Satan's book, you got these powers and you got your familiar. So that was kind of the way that they could control people by sticking their familiar on them. So if you have three nipples, you're pretty much a witch or a wizard. Yes, exactly. Back then you were. You would have been. Avery's who grandpa, has three nipples? Avery's grandpa has three nipples. So maybe he's a wizard. Isn't he? No, the okay. one that's alive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, maybe he is. Who knows? Yeah, we should get him on the pod. See if he's a wizard. So even after that. Giles still refused to give a plea. He and refused because to give of, a plea. Yes, because back in that time, if you refused to give a plea, you couldn't stand trial. But whenever you refused to give a plea and you didn't stand trial, you had to go through, I'm going to butcher this because it's a straight like French, pain forte de deux, which is basically they're going to torture you until you give a plea. And the way of which they did that, would they would strip the person down naked. They would lay them down flat on the ground. They would put heavy planks on top of that person and slowly start adding rocks on top of the planks until they were basically pressed to death. I guess that has to be a lot of weight to be pressed to death. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it takes a long time too. Yeah. It takes a long time. So September 17th, Giles was pressed by Sheriff George Carwin. He was pressed for two days. Dang. He survived two days. A long time, lots of weight. Yeah. And he was asked three different times to plea, and each time, all he would say would be more weight or more rocks. So he didn't want to admit that he was a wizard. Well, so here's the thing. If he would have admitted, it would have given the uh, sheriff and any of the other authorities a reason to take all of his property away from his adult children. So he wanted his children to have all the property that he had acquired throughout his life. But the second he said he was guilty 
or not guilty, they could put him on trial. And then if they found him guilty, he would lose all his property. So he, he wanted to give his kids. So as long as he just died, he, his kids would get all of his property. Exactly. So, so you're either guilty and they take everything or you're mm-hmm. not guilty or no, you're not guilty and they take everything or you're guilty and you die. And they take everything and if you everything. if you make a plea at all. But like I said, he was asked three times. He wouldn't make a plea. At one point, his eyes started to bulge out of his head from the weight and his tongue popped out of his mouth. Ugh. The sheriff went in and just poked his tongue back in his mouth with his cane. So he had to have been dead at this point. or, or No, you know. he, was, he was still alive. He was still... The final straw came when the sheriff climbed on top of all of the rocks and was sitting on top of the planks as well. Giles Corey's final words were, Damn you, I curse you and Salem. So he cursed Salem. Was he the last witch or wizard to be killed? So because of the gruesomeness of his death, it caused a lot of people to rethink the witch trials and they really started to be like, huh, maybe we shouldn't be putting people to death. Maybe this isn't witchcraft. Right. But the damage was already done. So like I said earlier, after his death, Martha, his wife, was hung three days later up on Gallows Hill, which we'll come back in a little bit. That was that. But the legacy of old Giles Corey is his curse. His curse takes two forms. You have the disaster and you have the sheriff curse. So the disaster curse is basically just that the apparition of Giles Corey will appear and walk around the graveyard signaling an upcoming disaster to the town. The most notable time this happened was he appeared the night before the Great Salem Fire of 1914. The fire, it actually started up on Gallows Hill where Martha was hung. Hmm. And it spread to the city and basically destroyed all of the city. So that one, that one's kind of interesting. I think that's like, there's lots of things like apparitions that appear to be the warning of a massive disaster. But what I think is more interesting is the sheriff curse. So since George Corwin, who was the sheriff at the time that Giles was executed, all holders of the office of sheriff have either died or resigned as the result of heart or blood ailments. So from 1692 to 1991, every sheriff who ever held the office either resigned due to a serious illness or they died in office. And that's like the only up until 1991, like every one of them, every one of them. And the only reason that changed is in 1991, the office was moved out of Salem. It's in a different town now. So the Salem sheriff is housed in a different town. And now they're okay. Yeah, there hasn't been, there has not been any blood or heart disease or ailments to the sheriff since they moved. Dang, that's pretty crazy coincidence. That is a crazy coincidence. And the person who put this all together was a Sheriff Robert E. Cahill. He was like in his early 40s in 1981. He was forced to retire early because he had a stroke, heart attack, and developed a rare blood condition within the same year. So he retired from sheriff, and then after he retired, his health drastically improved, and he wrote a series of books after that and ended up living another, I think, like 30 or, yeah, 30-ish years. And his books were just on Salem and and the curses and everything. Exactly. It was kind of like on Massachusetts history. Hmm. So just pretty interesting. Do you think that's like a legit curse, though? I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, that's one of my favorite curses to talk about that. And we'll probably cover this one in another episode. But Tecumseh's curse, which is a Native American curse, which I completely believe. Yeah, I I do know a little bit about Tecumseh's curse. And it's kind of interesting. 
yeah but i think it's i think it's fascinating but yeah that's that's my curse yeah yours is a lot more in depth than mine so mine is going to be a native american curse kind of like tecumseh but not really so it's going to be about the ute indians the Ute Indians about 150 years ago were pretty much in like Utah and Colorado and everything. And they were slowly just getting pushed back and back like every other Native American tribe, really. So they were living in places like Aspen or, you know, Meeker, Glenwood Springs and stuff like that. And what is known as like the Crystal Valley. So the Utes and settlers signed an agreement in 1860 that the Utes would remain in the Elk Mountains as long as the rivers ran and the grasses grew, that the white man wouldn't push into the Elk Mountains, that it was kind of their space, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, in 1875, precious metals like gold and silver were found in the mountains, and so the Indians were asked to leave. So there's a chief, Chief Colorow, who was like the local last chief of the Utes, Uh and uh, he, he had a famous saying that anything the white man did in the future would be destined to failure in the Crystal Valley, and cursed the valley with his bride, and other elders of the tribe. Um, they were then pushed to like a reservation in Arizona, and it was kind of the last time that they were in that, what they, you know, considered to be their home. So the marble quarry and all that stuff, they had a big quarry with a lot of marble mines and gold and everything. And eventually they had an avalanche wiped out the entire town. Every owner of the marble mine was killed eventually. It kind of takes a step further. In 1882, a man named John Osgood began to kind of build a big empire in the Crystal Valley, so much so that it was actually bought out by John Rockefeller, if that puts into perspective how big this guy was was at the time. Unfortunately, at the pinnacle of his career, Redstone had tons and tons of money, uh, was considered like the fifth most richest man in the nation. He actually actually passed away, and his wife lost everything within a year. Wow. Um, He had a big coal mine and everything, and after spending millions of dollars, he had a house, a school, and even had a 42-room mansion, what is what they called the the castle. It's one of the largest industrial collapses of the the time. And even the post-Osgood history of the Redstone Castle has been just covered in just craziness. Over the years, the castle has bounced back and forth from different owners, bread and breakfasts, spa, uh, a wedding venue, and everything. And essentially, it's never held, uh, never been able to prosper. Nobody's ever made a profit on it over a long term. And it's always traded hands after like five to 10 years. Is um, it still and standing? It is still standing. So in 2000, Debbie and Leon Hart purchased the castle for $6 million. But three years later, after an investigation, the IRS sees the castle for tax fraud. Oh, and shit. right now, the IRS still owns the castle, but it's closed down because of COVID. Ultimately, it still looks like that even the castle and everything in the Crystal Valley is still contributed. The Ute Chief's curse that nothing the white man touches will prosper. And so kind of an interesting one that, you know, not I didn't go as in-depth as you did with Salem, but essentially everything that's been made in this valley, even though it's like, you know, just tons of natural resources and big, you know, people may have prospered for a little bit that they eventually will, you know, end in demise and poverty. So like if, the land's given back to the tribe, then the curse will be broken, yeah. I don't know. So the IRS owns owns the majority of the property right now, so it's kind of interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with it. They were doing tours for a little bit, but then that got, you know, soft with COVID, and now it's just shut down. So um, it'd be kind of cool to go out there and look at it. Yeah. How? When was it built? Like, what was the time frame of all this? 1868 is when it was built. Okay. Um, Or, no, 1870s is when it was built. Uh, a 42-room castle. 
Holy shit. So That's the guy's widow. Facts. Yeah. So once he died, the guy's widow ended up trying to give it, like sell it to John Rockefeller and he ended up buying it for something, but then it passed through hands multiple times all the way up into the two thousands. Damn. So yeah, kind of nuts. It's really nuts. I can't imagine owning a castle. Yeah. I don't even know what you would do with 42 rooms. Yeah. I don't, why would you need that many rooms? Like, that's yeah, I mean, I can't keep up. I can't keep up my three rooms. Yeah. Same. I feel like I I don't have enough stuff for like the amount of stuff you would have to have for forty two rooms is ridiculous. Like what? Yeah, forty two beds. Yeah, that's nuts. Like forty two pairs of sheets. Oh yeah, dude. I I mean I guess you could make a pretty successful hotel and stuff if it was pretty good, but yeah. I guess you really wouldn't want to if it really is cursed. If you buy into the whole curse thing. I mean, it sounds pretty cursed to me. If anything's gonna be cursed, I feel like it's gonna be something pissing off the Native Americans. Yeah, we need to look in and see if there's any curses like uh, or cursed places in Arkansas that we can go visit. Oh, I'm sure there's this. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's this like well that's cursed in Arkansas. I mean, what, like, what's the deal with it? If you drink it, you'll die or something? No, like somebody was murdered there, and then like it's got all sorts of satanic stuff written on it, and I can't for the life of me think of the name i don't know i don't know if i buy into the whole curse thing or just bad luck you know what i mean i mean i don't know some would say that bad luck is a curse yeah i guess but i don't know well that was fun that was a quick episode micah are you there did we lose you okay we lost you all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. We hope you like this episode. As always, give us a like, leave us a review, send us an email, tell your friends about the podcast. We'd love to have more listeners and we'd love for you to keep listening. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know about it. We're still doing our open mic Mondays and we'd love to hear from y'all. So send in your listener stories, send in your questions, all that good stuff. Any suggestions you have for the future of the podcast, let us know. Like we said at the beginning, this was just kind of a preview of some content that we're going to be posting on the Patreon once we get that up and running. If it's something you're interested in, be sure to go over and join as soon as we get that up and running. As always, guys, Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye!